Hey guys, on this episode, I'm chatting with my friend Travis Brown, founder of Poddex. So if you want to learn how sobriety has become his superpower and also the key to having an amazing podcast interview, you're definitely not going to want to miss this episode. And make sure you stick around till the end of the show because I have a special bonus giveaway for you. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. So grateful that you could make it today. You know, I am full of gratitude because this week has not been that easy. I don't know about you, but I know I'm over this COVID stuff and it's been, you know, there's been days that have certainly been a struggle. Um, You know, I talk about often how, you know, my sobriety is a gift and I truly mean that, but I think it's a gift even more so because even when I'm going through those tough times, you know, even when I'm stuck in my head or I'm taking things personally, I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think over the last week, you know, I've had a lot of stuff going on and I'm, you know, getting ready for this summit that we're creating. I'm working on with a friend of mine. It's going to be amazing. I'll keep you guys posted. But uh, there's also been other stuff going on. And, you know, I think about how, you know, my worst day in recovery is still so much better than my best day when I was in addiction. And that is amazing. You know, it is not an easy journey. I mean, I think part of it is having to deal with the feelings and the emotions that come along with actually having to feel them. Um, You know, and I was uh, just finished up some a group coaching program that I run. And one of the last modules is on emotional um, resilience, right. And so we talked about that. And we talked about how often we let our emotions you know, guide us. And that determines our reactions when really what we have to do is start thinking before we react, right? Because sometimes it's not always a good idea to act on emotions. And I think that has been a big key for me as I used to be very reactive. Um, If I'd get upset or hurt, I would lash back right away without actually putting some thought into what I was saying. So I don't know if you guys can relate, but I know this week I've really had to practice that concept that, you know, if I am emotional, that maybe I need to sit back, maybe I need to meditate, maybe I need to confide into in, to, with somebody and just make sure that I'm not making a bad decision because when I respond via my emotions, it's not always good that happens from them. So that was... Um, another it was it was a great week of realizations that I'm I'm growing stronger with that and trust me it's not always the case but when I can make it through a difficult time and not uh, just react on my emotions I know it's been it's been a definitely a big step forward 
I'm not sure why, but lately I've also been kind of flooded with all these different topic ideas for shows because as I continue on in my journey of recovery, I learn more and more every day. Um, I learn so much from people who are just trying to get sober now, people who have been sober for a long time, people are only a couple years in. And so all these ideas keep coming up and I really want this show to be about you guys and what you want. And so I, what I would love for you to do is if you have a topic that you'd like me to discuss um, that I can act, actually, I might even be able to get a guest to come and talk about it or I'll bring you on the show. If you happen to have a story that you want to share where you've overcome addiction and you have come to realize that your adversity can actually be the key to your success and it has actually helped you discover your calling in life or your purpose, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, there is no A on the end, at theroadforward.ca. And I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. And of course, I want the show to be all about you guys. So let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, let's start to get into today's episode. Today on the show, I get to chat with my friend Travis Brown, who is the founder of Poddex. He is also the host of the Podcast Therapy Podcast. You got to go check it out. Travis is one of the nicest guys that I have had on the show. Everybody has been super great, but he is just such a down to earth, nice guy. I really, really loved how he was not afraid to get vulnerable and share his story of overcoming his own addiction and finding the world of recovery. Um, he shares it very openly. He also admits that his sobriety has become his superpower. And, you know, not only is he amazing advocate for people in recovery and getting sober, but he is also amazing at teaching you how to do a great podcast interview. So if you're already a podcaster out there or you're thinking about becoming a podcaster, you got to check out Travis's show and also download his app, Poddex. We actually, at the end of the show, I went to my app and I asked him some random questions, which is really fun. Um, he, of course, asked me right back, but uh, there's so much good information in this one. You're going to want to make sure you have a pen and paper because if you want to tighten up on your interviewing skills and really get a good interview, you're not going to want to miss this episode. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. I'm hanging out with my friend Travis Brown, founder of Podcast Dex and the host of the Podcast Therapy Podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today about uh, sobriety as a superpower. It is a superpower. So why don't we start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do today? Yeah, so uh, I'm Travis and I have a company called Poddex. Um, basically, it's a tool for podcasters, content creators to spark their next great conversation. So uh, communication is very important in 2021, but as a podcaster, it's really important to have uh, different questions, uh, questions that are going to create vulnerability to have really great interviews. So um, it was actually an accidental business. I run a podcast editing agency called Podcast Buddy, and uh, 
at some point in time, you, you sell all your time and you can't do anything else. So I actually built a course on how to podcast. And as a gift, I was going to send people a deck of cards with some unique interview questions that I had curated so they could advance quickly as an interviewer. And I launched the course and sold like three, but everyone kept emailing me about the cards. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. So I just pivoted. I did a minimal viable product. And now I am running a six figure business that, uh, that started as a deck business that now turned into a tech business, which is a mobile app. So it's just been an incredible journey over the last 12 months. Everyone's journey over the last 12 months has been pretty incredible. I'd say, uh, with the current conditions, but just a really fun way to build community around podcasting and spark really great conversations. We just hit 250,000 questions asked in the Poddex app. So as a entrepreneur, as a human being, I'm really excited that people are actually talking and sharing their stories. Yeah. And I, you know, you talk about it, if you head on over to your YouTube page about going deep in interviews. And that's one of the things I love to do because, you know, the road beyond recovery, I, believe that the adversity that we've gone through in our lives can actually be that key to success. And I never believed it. You know, when I first got sober, I was like, well, who am I to do anything? You know, like I yeah. built that foundation. I got complacent. I, I thought, am I just supposed to be grateful for having the nine to five job and just being? And I felt like there was something missing. So I know that you've also gone through a lot of adversity in your life and childhood trauma. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I just want to first say, like, I don't consider myself a victim in any way. You know, I'm sure there's people out there that have had a much different upbringing than me, possibly very worse. But, um, you know, when I started to get sober, I started to look at sort of the the path that led me to basically becoming, I call it like the Houdini of emotions. Like I was always looking to escape, right? So um, alcohol became a really great mechanism for me to escape my current feelings and avoid kind of looking directly at them and trying to figure out what they were. So, you know, as a child, I was, I was raised in a, a, an abusive home, physically, emotionally, um, uh, I've come from a multiple divorced family. So there's just a lot of, you know, for a child, looking back now that I'm a father, I think, wow, like to go through all these relationships and the politics of divorced parents, it just, uh, I just think it created a situation where, um, you know, as a child, I was looking for something to jump to, right? So as I got into my teen years, uh, of course, you know, in high school, there's parties and things. And at some point, somebody gave me a sip of beer. I think I probably was about 15 or 14 years old. And when I got my first buzz, it was like, oh, the switch got flipped, right? It was like, oh, I can do this. And I don't have to be present. I don't have to be in my feelings, so to speak, I can go to this. And from there, you know, it starts, it starts very um, innocently, right? You, you, you figure out that alcohol creates this feeling. And then, you know, over time it, it gets worse because you have to, you have to do more. You have to, uh, there's different kinds of drinks. There's different ways to escape, right? There's drugs, there's, um, you know, sex, there's things that, that, that you can jump to when you're not feeling good and go, go that way. So I, I really think that like, uh, the trauma that I had in my childhood is actually something I'm very grateful for because it turned me into a creative person. Now, alcohol was one of those things I used to escape, but creativity, I think, was another. And that that led me to become a musician, that led me to become an artist, that led me to become an entrepreneur. And um, unfortunately, 
the music industry is very party centric. So when I did get into the music industry, uh, that, that escalated my alcoholism, so to speak. But, um, you know, I, I think you have to look at your, where you come from and you have to say like, you know, I'm, this didn't, this may have happened to you, but like now you're in the driver's seat. Like my parents don't control my life anymore and I don't have to engage with them if I don't want to. So um, still drinking now doesn't fix the problem that happened as a child. And one thing I can just share with you, I want to be super vulnerable with you on the show because I know it makes for great content. And something that I had experimented with along my journey was finding spirituality. Um, I was raised Catholic, shed that skin, and uh, somewhere I ran into Buddhism and in the, in the mindfulness, right? So what I experimented doing was a meditation where I actually went back and comforted my childhood self. So I would go back in time to these memories that I felt like were keeping me from moving forward or the things that were uh, causing me to drink. And I would actually just go back and talk to myself and comfort myself and tell myself, this isn't the way it's going to be forever. You know, this, this shouldn't be happening to you. And I think that like, uh, it really helped me sort of instead of uh, having resentment, you know, when you have resentment, it's like drinking poison and then having, hoping somebody else dies, right? It helped me to sort of work through that because the reality of this all is, is that no one's gonna be able to take you back. No one's coming to save you. You really have to save yourself. So um, if you're out there and you have some childhood trauma or memories that you're really hanging on to that you feel like could be keeping you from uh, moving forward, just lay down on the ground and go back to that moment and talk to yourself as a child. It's very, very helpful. I love that. And I've done that as well. There was a, a huge part in early sobriety where I had to work on cleaning up that past and changing the script, right? Because often we are what we think and we don't have to be our past. Now, um, for me, I know when I hit my bottom and, and I love someone in early sobriety, I, I was... When I came into recovery, I was like, okay, maybe I don't have a problem. Maybe I'm not like you people because I would compare myself to everybody. I'd be mm -hmm. like, well, you were homeless. You know, you were under a bridge drinking out of a brown, brown paper bag, you know, like the stereotypical what people perceive to be an alcoholic. Sure. I wasn't that. I was a very functioning alcoholic. I had some very low points, but you know, when I was always comparing myself and wondering if this is where I belonged, a friend of mine said, you've reached your bottom when you stop digging. And that yeah. re was really profound for me because I think a lot of people are out there struggling and they don't want to admit they have a problem because they're comparing what it could be like. So what was the bottom like for you? Yeah. So when I quit drinking, a lot of people asked me like, what happened? They thought maybe I had a DUI or some major event happened. And, and on, in all honesty, I think I had many rock bottoms along the way of, of um, just really bad moments that I attributed to like, oh, well, maybe it was because I was drinking hard liquor and I'll just drink beer now. Right. Or I would make these excuses of why it happened. And and the reality of why those events happened were because of anger. And so what I would do is I would I would drink to avoid the feelings. And then at some point they would bubble up. And then that usually happened when I would be drunk. So um, there was a specific event that made me quit drinking on my 40th birthday, which was, um, you know, I was I was functioning. So I had, you know, I've 
never had a DUI or any, and, and never lost a job to alcohol or anything. But, um, you know, my children, I would let them like smell my wine or they would see me drinking beer. And there was one point where I was at a restaurant and the waitress came out and she, she accidentally spilled my Coke, right? She spilled it on the table and my daughter yelled out, daddy, your beer. And it was at that moment I was mortified because I was thinking, okay, she didn't say water. She didn't say soda. And it really just had an impact on me because I was imprinting with her that that was a part of who I am and a part of my identity. And so I decided, you know what, like, um, this was a, a couple of weeks before my birthday. And I was like, I'm going to quit drinking on my birthday because that'll be the best sober day I could ever celebrate. And I don't ever want my children to remember me with a drink in my hand, being out of control, not being super present with them when they need me. And uh, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, and I could consider that a bottom. I mean, there was so many events uh, emotionally, relationship-wise in my past that, that I'm now sort of going through the Rolodex and sort of doing meditations and trying to figure out what caused that. But um, that was pretty much the, the catalyst of, uh, I want to be... You know, my father was an alcoholic. He would he would drive with us in the car with beer. He would make us go get him a beer. And those memories are not pleasant. And so I never want to be, I don't want my children to remember me in that way. So that was really probably one of the most important parts of just making the final decision. Absolutely. So was it difficult? Because I know in the beginning, I thought, well, I'm not, I'll follow some suggestions. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick and choose. It's kind of like those books you read as a child where you choose your own adventure. And yes, I very quickly realized it wasn't like that. And I actually had to do a lot of work. What was those, you know, early days of sobriety like for you? Was it difficult? Yeah. So, you know, initially there's, uh, you know, you, you may have trouble sleeping, you know, you know, there's, uh, you definitely crave sugar because alcohol is basically turned into sugar. So I found myself, uh, you know, having a, more of a sweet tooth than I already had. But it was really the beginning stages. I think it was um, I was really focused on like today I'm not going to drink, you know, which is like that's all you really have anyway is today. But it was really the struggles for me were, were kind of ex explaining it. And I felt like um, and I'm a big proponent of therapy, so I do therapy. And, um, you know, I was telling my therapist, like, you know, I feel like this weird uh, struggle where I have to, like, explain myself. Like, you would, there's always going to be an event to drink at. It's going to be a wedding, a party, a Super Bowl, this, the birthday. There's always, it's like, it's almost like they created holidays to drink, right? And so you go to these events and, and someone would be like, hey, you want a beer? Because you're the guy who always would want a beer. And No, I'm not drinking. And it's like, <gasps> gasp, because... What you'll find is that a lot of relationships you have in your life are based off of you being in a, a catalyst for someone else to drink, or you hang out with people that make it okay for you to drink. So the, the beginning stages were really figuring out how to explain it. And, uh, you know, people would say, did something happen? Things like that. And I would just say, no, I've just decided that I don't have a reason to drink and I'm not going to drink. And people were like, okay. Um, you know, there were also some just, uh, you know, my wife is not an alcoholic. And I told her, like, I don't want you to have to quit drinking, but there would be, you know, there'd be alcohol in the house, it's sort of a constant reminder, an empty wine glass, things like that, that just, you know, sort of in your face in the beginning. But eventually it got better because I figured out that people were coming to me going like, hey, I, I'm sort of inspired by you. I, I quit drinking for 30 days or 
I would go to the party and I would get a really fun drink that would be like some mango spritzer thing without alcohol. And I noticed that everybody was more interested in what I was drinking than whatever the alcohol assortment was. And it became this sort of like uh, party favor, you know, and once you get past hangovers and, and you start to sleep better, it really does get better. And there's been several moments over the last year and a half, like, you know, I always joke, I, I picked the worst time to quit drinking during a global pandemic, right? But I know that it's just like, there's never going to be a perfect time. And so there's been lots of challenges. And every time I've ever thought about like, oh, a drink would make me feel better. I, I tell myself, you know, that it's not going to fix anything. It's not, this is not the answer for you. And so um, I have an app on my phone called days. I put in my day and, and every, I don't do it anymore, but in the beginning I would look like how many days have I been sober, which was like sort of like a, uh, a good, like reminder, like, oh, it's, it's, it's stacking up. And I just want to share one more thing before I, I, I get off this little diatribe here. One time I quit drinking for 60 days. This was about five years before I got sober. And um, I went and took an anniversary picture with my wife and I have it on my dresser. And I used to hate to look at that picture because I knew that that day we went out to dinner and I had a bottle of wine and I started drinking again. And in that picture, I'm like glowing. My skin is clear. I look happy and I hated looking at it because I knew what I needed to do. But now I have that picture and I can go, that dude was only 60 days and he thought that was a hard thing. I'm 600 days and, and I'm, you know, it's be like, literally become my superpower. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny, you mentioned the pandemic and good for you for getting sober during the pandemic. Cause I remember when it first started and there was talk about the liquor stores closing, I just started laughing because I'm thinking, could you imagine if I was still drinking and there was any sort of announcement that the liquor stores might be closing down, I would have gone into a deep depression. <laughs> I would have panicked. I would have stocked up the house, like screw the toilet paper. I'm yeah. going to the liquor yeah. store, you know? So it made me super grateful. And I actually read something the other day um, because I agree, like drinking is such a huge part of our society. And I've actually come to realize now that I surround myself with different people, it's actually not as you know prominent as i thought it was i mean people go out and they'll they'll order a glass of wine and they have half of it and i'm just staring at them going like are, are, are you gonna drink the rest of that yeah. like what is wrong with you yeah and but i heard something that was really profound and it was alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify not consuming yeah that's brilliant i mean <laughs> And, and in the beginning of your sobriety, you will have to explain yourself. And uh, I think if you just say, if you figure out like a mantra, like, you know, I would just tell people like, I really don't have a reason to drink. Like, I'm super happy. Why do I, you know, uh, if you can just have something to say to people, you know, it, it it's, you, you think everyone's staring at you, right? Like, why are, why, is you, why are you not drinking? But really in reality, they're trying to uh, have you drink because they want to drink right? It's, it's sort of that mob mentality of like, well, what do you mean? Like I'm drinking because everyone else is drinking and you're not drinking. That means I don't have to drink. And then you'll find that there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, you know, like I don't really like drinking and they'll, they'll confide in you because not everybody wants to do it. I think alcohol has momentum. I think alcohol has, um, and drugs and everything else that you can escape to have momentum. And, and people think that if I drink, I'll fit in. And if I don't drink, I'm not going to fit in and people are going to 
I'll be exposed. But in reality, the person not drinking is the person everyone in the room wants to be because it's expensive and you don't feel good. And it really doesn't, it's poison, you know, when you really think about it. And if you've ever stopped having the euphoria, (laughs) you know, I would tell people like, I just don't get the euphoria anymore from it. And they would be like, oh yeah, I, I totally get that. And, you know, or you don't even have to explain yourself. You don't have to explain yourself to anybody. And uh, there's always going to be a challenge. One of my friends who is also sober, uh, once I told him I was sober, he said, if you ever need anything, please contact me because alcohol is very patient. And at first I thought that's kind of weird, but it is because it's always going to be there and it's always going to be at the grocery store and it's always going to be at the party and um, it, it will wait for you, right? If you don't have a good reason, why not to use it? Exactly. And it is constant work, right? It's focusing on what you love in life. And I found, um, because I know you talk about using your creativity to have overcome your childhood trauma. And I too believe after, and it took me a few years to really get this, but you know, I always thought that my past would follow me around in a negative way, right? I thought, well, you know, how am, how am I ever going to achieve any success? How am I going to be like, you know, those people who have everything they want? And it, all it took was that mindset shift of, okay, you know what, maybe I can actually create my own life. Like I got sober and that's a miracle in itself. Yeah. So I managed to stay sober and it was through realizing that my addiction actually became that key, right? And I became incredibly creative as a result of that. And like just, I I get up at four o'clock in the morning, sometimes 3.30, because I love working on my coaching business. I love doing my podcasting, like it fires me up. And I've never felt that way before I actually discovered my purpose. So can you talk a bit about like your creativity and how that led to what you're doing today? Absolutely. And I wanna just touch on one thing before we move on to that is, you know, everyone loves a comeback story. Look at Robert Downey Jr., right? He was a, an actor. He was beloved. He started doing heroin. He went to jail. And now he's Iron Man, right? So, you know, regardless of your past, like your past took you exactly where you need to be. But, like, your past doesn't dictate your future. So as far as creativity, um, I definitely think that as a child, I, I had a wild imagination because it was basically an escape for me from my current situation. Um, And that was just, you know, singing or drawing, and it was a way to take my mind away from my home life, right? And of course, that evolved, because as you get older, there's there's different things you can do. There's music, and I became obsessed with music. Music just... um, it, it, it's a huge part of my life. And so I, I could, I could create songs and then people started to love me for it. Right. So I, I started to begin to get to achieve success. So um, being on a stage made me happy and writing songs that people would sing back to me made me happy. And it was, but it was also definitely playing into that escape mechanism. So um, I'm super grateful that I have it now because if you do quit something, you have to replace it with something. And I found that like when I was drinking, I wasn't writing music. I wasn't creating art. I wasn't, I would, that was, that was what I was doing. And so if you remove that, it sort of takes the, the blinders off. And so um, you know, when I quit drinking, I actually had started Poddex, and I don't think that I could have grown it to what it was if I w- would have continued to be drinking because the drink is an excuse to, to not have to, you know, I just want to relax, 
right? And then three or four or five drinks later, the morning, because drinking today is stealing from tomorrow, stealing happiness from tomorrow, you're hungover. You don't feel good. Oh, I don't feel good. What will make me feel better? Oh, hair of the dog, right? Ha, ha, ha. And then you get into this loop where you're never going to do the thing that's on the the whiteboard or the on your list or you know we all have so many things we want to try and and learn you're never going to do it so once i remove that element and i could dive back into my my passion i'm creating music and art and businesses and reading books and i feel good and uh it, it my wife turned to me one day and says sobriety is absolutely your superpower and it really i just I, that's really stuck with me. And um, it's just opened me up to be me. And I'm not using creativity to escape now. I'm using creativity for part of what it became in my life, which was a passion. And, um, and I noticed that, you know, there's other things I will escape to now, right? You know, you, you doom scroll on your phone or food or, you know, before the pandemic, I was going to the gym every day. And I actually told myself, you need to be careful because you have a switch and it's either on or off. It's black or white. There's no, I don't, you know, people would say, let's go have a drink. And I would say, sure. And I would have five drinks and they would have one drink because they didn't have the same, the same switch I did. It was just like, let's go all in. Right. So um, you have to be careful about what you pour yourself into. Cause I was working out to the point where I was, you know, starting to get achy and maybe injuring myself because that was my new thing. But creativity became less of an escape mechanism. I think it still partially is, but in a good way, the escape of my mind uh, being able to express itself. And I experienced the same thing. You know, sometimes I feel like I could go right into burnout because of how many things are in my head and how much I want to get out and create and and make happen because I'm I'm so focused on wanting to help people get out of that complacency, you know, in recovery where they settle. And I think it happens to a lot of people, right? They think, oh, I've got this now. Life is good. I've got my family back. I've got a career. But it's like, well, now what? And I think it's like you said, it's really important to fill that addiction. Absolutely. With something else. Now, podcasting is your thing. And I know you've had many, many podcasts. What about 10? that have yes. failed and uh, something that you really talk about is how to have the perfect interview like how to have a really great interview so can you get into that because i know i talk to so many people that want to start podcasts yeah absolutely so the you know the first thing people do when they want to start a podcast is they typically say i'll do interviews because you know there's other people doing interviews and it's it's easy to have a conversation with somebody but there's a couple obstacles you're going to run into it with that. First of all, you have to find guests to schedule. And that's that's a job within itself. And then that person has to show up and not cancel on you, right? So, um, and then that person, you need to have some form of pre-frame with them to kind of make sure that they know what you're about, what you're going to talk about. And some people show up like this morning, I was racing in, right? So now I'm settled. But in the beginning, I was a little bit, you know, um, I don't get nervous on these things anymore, but your guests may be nervous, have red light fever, things like that. So that's an obstacle. So, um, Getting somebody on an interview in itself, I think, is a huge success. And then comes the important part. You're going to record the conversation. So there's a couple things that make for a great podcast episode. And this is something that I think is missed. Just having a conversation, I don't think, is enough. Um, there's, there's three things you can do. One, you want to make sure that your guest is going to share 
something, at least one thing that can potentially inspire or give value to your audience. So you really, when you're finding a guest, you want to make sure like, is this person right for my podcast or am I just doing an interview to do an interview? The second thing is that people are, they, they're too surface level, right? So I basically use the analogy of questions as an iceberg. You've got the, the tip of the iceberg, right? Which is like your, your general small talk, where are you from? What's the weather like? And then you've got the, um, you know, where, where it comes out of the water, which is sort of like your icebreaker questions, which gets a little bit more um, detailed. And then you have this huge chunk underneath the water that you can't undersee. And those are the deep questions. So if you look at any of the greatest interviewers of the top podcasts, they all have the same characteristics. They, as a host, share their vulnerabilities, and they get their guest to share vulnerabilities. And that's why Dak Shepard and Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan are always at the top of the list is because they do that. And I think a lot of people are afraid to share their vulnerabilities. A lot of business podcasts want to say, I'm a six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure coach, and I'm, my life is just perfect. Well, nobody wants to see your perfect life. We all want to see how you got there. We want you to tell us the struggles and the failures so we can avoid those, right? And so being vulnerable as a host is very magnetic. Now, when you're having the conversation, you want to be respectful to your guests, but you want your guests to share something that is of great note that they may not have shared on another podcast. A lot of people do a circuit of interviews and they're pretty much getting asked the same questions and giving the same answers. So I'll give you a great example. Let's say you're interviewing an author. Most people would say, congratulations on your book, blank. Uh, it's a really great book. What made you write a book, right? Well, in theory, everyone wants to write a book. If not a children's book, you have a book in you, right? So it's not really a deep question because that's like everybody wakes up in the morning. Everybody goes to the bathroom. But uh, the way to make it vulnerable is say, you know, you've written this book, you've released it, congratulations. Was there ever a time when you felt like you were going to quit? Was there ever something that just made you think, I, I can't do this? And they're probably going to have that answer because everything is a struggle in life. And they're going to share that with you which is a much different answer than why did you want to write a book? It's, it becomes vulnerable and you can share that journey. So that's, that's my biggest advice. If you're going to do interviews is like, put yourself out there, share your vulnerabilities. Like I will talk about sobriety all day long and tell you how it really was the worst thing that happened to me. And I have childhood trauma and all these things because that's who I am and I'm not afraid to be authentic. But if you're hiding behind this shiny exterior shell on your podcast, you're not really being magnetic to your audience. I agree. And, you know, I had started this journey in, I traveled a lot for business. And so health, like you say, all these, you know, I'm very addicted to food still because I love food. Mm -hmm. It's my comfort. I love sugar. Yep. Um, but I thought, okay, well, I can niche down and I can travel for business and I can use all these strategies that I'm learning. And so I started to become vulnerable, but I think it wasn't until somebody had suggested Tamar, you have 25 years of addiction, right? So many different bottoms that you had hit in your life. And so that actually inspired me to write my first book and also inspired me to start talking about my recovery very openly. Like I've never been ashamed of it really, because, yeah. you know, like you now, I agree it is our superpower, but that's when things started to change because I think there's something to be said about somebody walking up to someone and you know you sharing what you're feeling because sometimes i still have these crazy thoughts in my head where i'm like where did that come from but yeah. 
to to have somebody stand across from you or interviewing someone and go, I know, I've been there too. You know, that's a pretty good feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, social media, I think, is amplified showing your best self. Like everyone shows how happy they are. And I'll be honest, when I share a post about how I'm struggling with like the first post I shared about struggling with sobriety or being 45 days sober, I got more responses on that post than any steak dinner, beach, car, uh, you know, people want more from you than your perfect life on Instagram. So I'm not saying you need to share all your dirty laundry on social (laughs) media, but like authenticity is everything. And again, you know, look at Dak Shepard. He's a perfect example, a man who is sober for 25 years and got addicted to, to pills. And he shared that on the podcast, probably one of his most downloaded episodes. And I couldn't, it's like, you can't look away because you're hearing this person going through something that is extremely emotional, extremely vulnerable, and it makes for really great content. And he didn't have to do that. He could have swept it under the rug and um, putting yourself out there in that way. And and obviously we're not all doing uh, sobriety podcasts or, you know, maybe your niche isn't that, but you can still show your vulnerabilities along the way. Absolutely. And you're right about the social media posts. As soon as I started posting, hey guys, like I just binged out on pizza three days in a row. Everybody's like, oh, I thought I was the only one doing that. (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. And I share it very openly on my podcast now, right? Because I'm not, I'm human too. And, you know, life is, I, I can't even believe sometimes, like if I stand there and I turn back and look at what's happened and what's actually been capable, it blows my mind still. And I'm so full of gratitude, but I think it's really the podcasting that kind of brought me out of my shell and got me to be more vulnerable and authentic. And just because, you know, you're talking into this microphone and you meet so many amazing people. It's really, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's the greatest medium ever because podcasting is something where you can get value or entertainment and you can do it while you do other things. I can wash the dishes. I can take a shower and listen to the podcast. You know, I can do all these things because you know, in reality, like human beings are constantly looking for new information. And so uh, I think podcasting is the best medium because you don't have to start out doing video. You can just do audio, right? So you don't have to be pretty on camera or anything. You can just like make an outline and and share a story and and or interview somebody and put it out there. And it lives on forever. It's this conversation that that is evergreen. So, you know, I come from the music world. And one thing that I tell people is that Think about the last song or band you fell in love with. The first thing you did after you found that album was you were like, what other albums do they have? And you go back and look. Same thing's going to happen to you as a podcaster. You are going to put out an episode, and when somebody gets into your world and they're like, oh, I can totally relate to this, they're going to go, what other episodes? And then the binge culture kicks in, right? And we know all know we've binged a Netflix series in two days. That's what happens. And it's on demand. It's whenever I want. It's whatever I'm doing. And so podcasting is a really great way to grow an audience and share a message and, uh, you know, open a door to yourself. If you're a business owner or coach, like there's just so much there for you to uh, flourish in. Absolutely. So what are three of the biggest mistakes that podcasters, new podcasters make? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll say this out of love, right? Um, I'll say this these things because it, it can sound negative in some capacity. Um, the first thing that people do is they 
copy other people. So yes, you need sort of a, a format, you need an outline, you need, but like the, the, the greatest podcasts that ever happened have because somebody sort of reinvented what they were doing. So a perfect example would be, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do interviews. This is the format somebody else used. I'm going to use this exact format. So um, I would, I would just let you know that there's no real rules in podcasting. You can, I mean, it's side of hate speech. Like you could pretty much do whatever you want. So can you, can you improve upon the podcast that you're mocking, right? Can you improve upon uh, the format? Um, don't just think you have to follow the leader is what I'm saying. And a perfect example of that is there's a podcast I listen to called My Morning Hike. And it's just a guy who records the sounds of his morning hike. And it's crunch, crunch up the mountain. And that's, that's not something anyone's ever done before. And it's unique. So you want to you wanna try to set yourself apart in the crowd. Secondarily, I think that People waste the first five minutes of their podcast. So you'll, maybe you'll get an ad in there and then you'll do this big, long, super, super long intro. And then you start to do a little small talk. Where are you from? How's the weather? And you really have a small opportunity to hook somebody in. So I'm going to take this back to music. All your favorite songs probably start with a hook. It's the chorus, right? We have a saying in the music industry, don't bore us, get us to the chorus because it's the most exciting part of the song. So use that to your advantage in your podcast. In my podcast, every single episode, I use a hook. And this is what I do. I say, hey, guys, in this episode, I'm going to teach you X, Y, and Z. If you're looking to learn those things, you're definitely not going to want to miss this episode. And I've got a special bonus for you at the end of the show. So that person is qualified. They go, do I want to learn X, Y, and Z? Yes or no? And if they do, they know they should stick around. And if they don't, they can. I've already told them, you can go do something else because I value your time. Then I will do a transition sound and I get right into it. And I try to start with the most valuable piece of content first, because if that person sees that I'm not just um, sort of warming them up to give them the value, I'm giving it to them right away, then they're going to see that I value them and I value their time. So I think that um, there's always going to be room for small talk, right? But I think if you, you recognize that with like uh, attention spans, with things like, TikTok or stories, people want a quick hit of something to release that dopamine. So do it fast, do it fast. Um, and then third, I think is just, uh, it's called gas. It's gear acquisition syndrome. What microphone do I need? Do I need to upgrade this? Do I need a camera? Start small. Um, the microphone is, all microphones do the same thing they capture your voice. So it really doesn't matter. What matters is that you're pressing record. So whatever microphone you have, figure out how to use it, get a good sound and press record. Because the microphone excuse, or I just need a camera, or I just need this, is your excuse for not starting. Just like when we make excuses, like I'll quit drinking on Monday, right? Because Sunday is the Super Bowl, right? It's the same thing. You're putting something as a placeholder for your productivity. So just to recap that, try to be unique, hit them with value quick and press record. Those are some golden nuggets there. So let's, um, I love your app, by the way, Poddex oh, is amazing. So and it just, um, we'll put a link on the, at the, in the show notes for it. But I wanted to ask you a couple random questions. I went to the hypothetically yeah. speaking deck 
Yeah. So let's test this out. If you sure. could choose a nickname and have people call you it with complete seriousness, no matter how ridiculous, what nickname would you want? Ooh, I think I'd want to be, um, this is a good one. I would want to be called Mr. Positivity <laughs> because it would, it would, it sounds a little sarcastic, but it would make them think of me in a positive light. So, uh, or yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Mr. Positivity. How about you? What would you, what, what nickname would you want? Oh, I would say Overdrive. Overdrive. That's great. That's golden Overdrive. right there. Cause I love just going. Like I, I have this analogy of myself that when I come up with an idea, it's almost as though I've signed up for, you know, this marathon. I'm not exactly sure what the course is, but I'm going to show up two hours before the marathon starts and I'm just going to start running like Forrest Gump. That's yeah. totally me. I love that. Did you ever have a nickname that you didn't like people calling you? You know what? I didn't. I was called Peppermint Patty. Oh, okay. And so I guess, you know, I do. I actually have a little peppermint patty um doll here that somebody gave me and i do kind of look like her what about yourself um so in high school i got caught because i was high and i would bring i would get high before high school and i would bring a pop tart uh like a package of pop tarts in the class for like a little snack when i got the munchies and one time i was maybe crinkling the package too loud and my teacher um caught me and he said what do you got there bring it up here and it was a package of Pop-Tarts. And then he basically shamed me in front of the whole class. He said, first of all, you just eat Pop-Tarts like right out of the bag. You have to, you're supposed to put these in the toaster. And then he started to call me Pop-Tart Boy. And so for the rest of the year, I was Pop-Tart Boy. And I really didn't like it. <laughs> no, I could see that. I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, second question. If you were reincarnated as an animal based on your personality, what animal do you think you would come back as? Yeah, so I am a Leo, so my first inclination is a lion, but I also really like to sleep. I really enjoy sleeping, so I'm going to go with bear because I could hibernate, and I think a bear is strong and, and sort of, uh, you know, uh, kind of an alpha. Like, I consider myself an alpha person um, because I'm a doer, I'm an action taker. So I'm going to go with bear, even though I don't like to eat fish. So <laughs> how about but yourself? I think for that one, I was thinking, you know, lion came to mind, but I think cheetah because I want to be like, you know, sleek. fast and dangerous. Right. And I'm, I'm not, I'm very accident prone. I'm actually, I, you know, when I can trip on nothing basically. <laughs> so a cheetah might be nice because they're a little bit more graceful, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're super graceful and uh, they're pretty, you know, you got the nice, the cheetah skin print so you always look good you know it's very fashionable <laughs> that's right that's right travis where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do yeah so uh you could check out poddex.com that's my website and then i'm basically uh, a big proponent of diving into one uh social media account so i spent all my time on instagram so if you want to if you want podcasting tips if you want to find out more about what i'm doing please join my community um, we've got all kinds of podcasters who are helping each other rise up and it's just been so much fun. So I share my journey with you there, uh, you know, and I would love to have you in my community. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, I just want to say before we go here, I'm super grateful for what you're doing. 
Um, I think it's amazing for people who need to hear these stories. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just pause and go give a five-star review or write a review for this podcast because it's going to help more people find this that need to find it. So if you've enjoyed this content in any way, if you got one little nugget out of it, go hit that five-star review so more people can hear this podcast. Thank you so much, Travis. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know that I took a ton of notes and, you know, actually the new intro that I do for the show where I let you guys know in advance exactly what I'm going to be talking about on the show that came from Travis. So um, anybody who's thinking about becoming a podcaster or if you are in the world of podcasting already, he gives some great ideas. And again, go check out his app Poddex because there are some really cool questions. You could do a lot of fun stuff with it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Anyway, guys, if, like I said, if you have any ideas for the show or you want to share your story on the road beyond recovery, make sure you reach out. You can email me at tamar at theroadforward.ca and I'd love to hear from you and I will see you guys on the next show. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.